Thank you, God. God's good, isn't he? Isn't God good? He's so good to us. And God is kind and merciful, isn't he? He is good even when he doesn't seem that he's good. Even when it seems like God is absent, God is not absent. Even Jesus said on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, the Son of God, felt forsaken at one point, at least once in his life, felt that forsakenness. And it's because God, even God on the throne, is so powerfully so big, he's working things out, he's moving things around. Obviously, we know that God had not forsaken Jesus, that it was moments away, actually breaths away from completion. Amen. And so right now, uh, God has not forsaken this earth, God's not forsaken this nation, he's not forsaken this valley. God is uh, still working, he's still doing, and it's, it's important that we just keep declaring it, keep remembering that, amen? amen? It's a simple truth, and yet it's so essential that we remember that God is still on the throne. And when you read through even your word, I remember it even as a young man reading through my word, like 15, 16, 17 years old, reading all about the patriarchs and thinking these characters are just wandering around. It's like they have no direction. They're over here, then they're over there. God's speaking this word, then they're doing this, they're doing that. And, you know, sometimes we think of life as when we come to Christ as being so simple, you just come to Christ, he's going to make everything good, everything's going to be right, and you don't have to worry about anything ever again. But uh, our word shows us that God was faithful to them, but if you looked in the natural, if you looked in the moment by moment, the day by day, there was stuff going on in their lives and there was stuff going on in the earth, right? Right? The Lord speaks to Abraham, I want you to, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you to a land you don't know, and he gets there, right? I mean, it's not very long before all of a sudden he's in Egypt, right? What's that? But God was faithful, wasn't he? God had a plan and a purpose, and even in, you know, he lies about Sarah, and then even in all that mess, actually, it says that Pharaoh, the Pharaoh at the time, uh, gave him, you know, servants and food, and I mean, the Lord blessed him even through that whole season, didn't he? And so the Lord is in this season as well, even in the unknown and in the confusing, even in the famine of it, uh, in, the, in the darkness of it. I was just praying yesterday to the Lord, and I was meditating on something that we say all the time and we're fully aware of, but I just had a fresh revelation of that. Don't you love when the Lord gives you a fresh revelation of a truth you already know? But that the darker it gets, even a dim light becomes brighter. You don't actually have to make the light brighter. The light just becomes brighter because of the darkness. So God's light in this earth right now is going to start shining even brighter the more the enemy does to try to darken this earth and destroy it. And we have the book of Revelation. We know where this thing's going. It will get dark, but we know that the darker it gets, the brighter the light of Christ gets. Amen. Amen. That's all I'm going to say there. And I want to get right into his word today. Um, we've been uh, talking about the wineskins and about change and new uh, in this last in this season. And then two weeks ago, I spoke on the transfiguration. Everybody say transfiguration. Now we find that uh, in Matthew 17 
and in Mark 9, and I'm going to read it here out of Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 2 says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Everybody say transformed. All right, that's that word. That's the transfigured. That's the transfiguration. And it says his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. You might, you know, whiter than snow. And uh, we have a picture of him looking like this also in Revelation. And we also have the picture that we look like this. He gives us uh, a purity, gives us white garments. Amen. In the end. And so this word was the word, meta, it's the Greek word metamorpho, right? That's where we get our word metamorphosis. And what that word means is a change of the form or nature of a thing uh, into a completely different one. I'm going to say that again. It's a change of the form or nature of a thing into a completely different one. What Jesus gave them a glimpse of is who he really was. Now, the Jesus, the Jewish Jesus was, it's not that that wasn't Jesus, but that was just skin. Everybody say, that's just skin. The real you is inside you. Who's aware of that? Right? Your skin is just a temporary vehicle to get you from A to B. That's all that this is. And, and I know that the older you get, the more thankful you are that it's temporary. <laughs> it's just skin. So that's not that that wasn't Jesus. But what they got a glimpse of was the real Jesus. Everybody say the real Jesus. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, a veil is taken away. It says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see, so we get to see Jesus the way he really is. We get to see that glory of him. It says that we get to see like they saw. Everybody say, we get to see him like they saw him. See, the world's got a perception of Jesus, don't they? They were like, I think Jesus is this, Jesus is that, Jesus was a good person, Jesus was a prophet, Jesus was God, he's a cousin of God, he's a sister of God. I mean, whatever, I mean, come on, they're just making it up as they go along. But we get to see the real Jesus, don't we? The veil has been removed, and the glory of Jesus has been revealed to us, but it says we get to see it, and everybody say, and reflect it. We get to see his glory, and we reflect his glory into the earth. We are the light bearers. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then as he was transitioning from being on the earth in the physical to being in heaven, and us being him on the earth, his representation, his ambassadors, the Bible says, he didn't say any longer that I am the light, but he says, now you are the light of the world. Now it doesn't mean that that's Adam Bennett, it doesn't mean I am, it's not the skin, but it's Christ in me. It's not I who lives, but Christ in me. Amen. 
through the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, and I love how the NLT translates this, because I believe this is much more accurate than just, you know, just uh, an instant thing. There is something that happens instantly at a salvation moment, but who's experienced it's much more like more and more, right? Day by day, year by year, right? We're constantly growing and being changed. Say, we're constantly being changed. It's not just that we are changed, but that we're always changing more and more into his glorious image. Amen. Something similar, Romans chapter 12 says in verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Now, last week or two weeks ago, we looked at the metamorphosis from a caterpillar into a butterfly. And basically what that caterpillar has to do is die. Everybody say he has to die. He can't be a caterpillar any longer, unfortunately for him. And he doesn't know. I was just, you know, meditating on if it's possible. I don't know what goes through animals' minds, what goes through bugs' minds. Sometimes you wonder, like, what are they thinking? Like when we see the squirrel cross the road, he's like, they wait for the car. They wait and cross the road. Birds do the same thing. My friend used to always say that birds are daredevils. He'd be like, watch. They sit and they wait, and as soon as the car is coming, then they try to fly in front of your, your windshield as fast as they can. I don't know what was going through the caterpillar's mind as he crawled into the cocoon, but something instinctually in him says, I can't be this anymore. I'm not satisfied crawling on the ground like this anymore. And I must be metamorphosized into what I was made, what I was created, what my DNA, everybody say, my DNA was designed to be. Do you realize you are trapped living as caterpillars in the earth, but you were designed by God, your DNA is to be a butterfly. But the enemy, through sin, has trapped us crawling you know, see, the Bible says that God said to Satan, your curse is that you will eat the dirt of the ground. And Satan is not satisfied that only he has to eat the dirt, but he wants us on the ground with him. He wants us to eat his dirt with him. He wants us to be one with him on the earth. But we were never meant to live in this earth. We were meant to live above. We were meant to rise above. We were meant to live with Christ. Amen. And so the Bible says, give your bodies. Now, this is not something that we do once. This is not just an altar call moment, but that we continually, I mean, technically, it is an altar call if we actually did what we said we were doing when we made that plea with God, which is, Lord, have my life. If we didn't take it back again, as soon as we left the church, then yes, it would have been a one-time event. But because we take it back every time we give it to him, we must then give it to him again and again and again. And when I realize that I have my life, that I'm living my life and my own strength again, I'm going to give it to him again. Amen. So I'm going to constantly put myself on the altar, give my body to God, and Believe that it's once and for all this time because he says, because all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy 
sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Now, you know, a sacrifice, it was to be burned, which means it was no more. That means that the picture that God really has given us in the earth of really being believers is not just that we say, Jesus, uh, I want salvation and I want heaven. Yes, we get those things. Jesus, I want all your blessings and all the goodness of God, and we get all those things. But Jesus, kill this flesh. Wow. Imagine this was the altar call. We said these words. Now repeat after me. Jesus, kill my flesh. I think we might offend a few people because they don't understand what we're saying. But Jesus, take this body, take my mind, take my will, take my feelings, my emotions, take it all, put it on the altar and kill it. Let it die so that I can come into true oneness with you and be resurrected. It says this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world. You may know it as don't be conformed, but be transformed into, and it says here in the NLT, let God transform you into a new person. Be transformed. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. You know, this is so interesting because the world have you noticed, has a system? Have you noticed that the world has a pattern? And if you go outside the lines of the world system and the world's pattern, it doesn't like it, does it? Who has found that when you buck against the, I hate using this word, because how do you define it except for the, by the word of God, normal, quote unquote, <laughs> if you buck against normal, defined, and this is funny, because it's constantly redefined. It'll be different next year than it was this year, except I was okay to think this way this year, but next year that's unacceptable. Wow. He told us 2,000 years ago, I'm warning you, the world is going to try to conform you. The world is going to try to take your mind and form it to its thinking. And it will change based on culture, based on what happens in the earth, based on things coming and going inside and out of the earth. The, the concept, I mean, this is interesting. For the last hundred plus years, the schools have been indoctrinated that it's evolution, right? What's happening is science is advancing so fast that what we've known all along is that you can't just have evolved from a monkey. It's not even it's not scientifically using their word, even though it's God's word. It's not possible. So the new norm, I'm telling you, it's already been talked about. This is I've been I heard about it about 10 years ago, and then it's starting to become more and more normal. And I don't consider him the the smartest man alive. Uh, who who just died? What was it? Two years ago, uh, Hawking's right. Two years ago or so. I mean, he was considered by the academic world the smartest man to be alive in our time. I don't agree because he didn't believe in God. So, but he said as as he started nearing his death, 
with all of his wisdom and all of his research and all of his knowledge of science, he started to change and say, evolution is not logical. It has to be intelligent design. Now, of course, because of the deception of Satan over this world and the blindness, he couldn't admit that that was God. It's an intelligent designer, but it's got to be an alien. That's what he, that was his thinking. You can look this up. That's what he said. Aliens made us. Now, if you were to ask me 50 years ago, and I'm alive and I'm in the school system, uh, how did we get here? We would have come up with some sort of like million something, you know, maybe 1.2 billion years, whatever. When I was in school, it wasn't uh, 1.2 billion or whatever 50 years ago. Now it's 4.6 billion. I think now it might even be, they've changed it now. It's like 4.8 billion years. It's just changing. It's going to keep changing. And culture, uh, the concept of what life is, what happiness is, what living is, patriotism, I mean, all of it is evolving in such a rapid way, and if you have to conform to it, otherwise you're the weirdo. And the Bible told us 2,000 years ago, there's only one thing I want you to be conformed to, which is into my image and into my word. Because everything else will constantly be changing, but I want you, in contrast, to change, but not into their image, and the image that they say is acceptable, but into my image. I want you to be transformed. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, this is interesting. God knew when he wrote this 2,000 years ago, and it applies today just as much as it did when they wrote Romans, it's that you have been born and raised in this culture, and you have been indoctrinated with thinking whether you like it or not, and whether you think you are or not. There are things that have been poured into you by the things you've watched, by the people you've lived with, school, TV, etc. I mean, if you ask someone to find love to me, most likely they don't even realize it, but they're going to define it based on movies and novels and, you know, and this, this false concept that's been put into them of what love is. Isn't that true? And yet our word says love really is laying your, the greatest love is what? Laying your life down. Death. Well, that's interesting because if I was to define love by the world standards, it would be what makes me happy. Just the opposite. Wow, that's interesting. It's just the opposite of God's word. It's not laying my life down. It's that you lay your life down for me, and if you don't do it good enough, I'll just find another person to do that with. So, the world is going to try to conform you, but we must not be conformed to this world. In fact, we must let God, everybody say, let God transform you into a new person. We cannot make decisions or react based on our flawed emotions or based on what we think or based on what others think. Our actions must be based on what God says on God's standards. How do we do that? It's a supernatural process 
of surrender. Everybody say surrender. All we really can do is surrender to God. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot be good, but we can surrender. You cannot change. Don't try to change. Everybody's like, I'll fix me up, and then I'll come to God. Let me get clean, right? Tried that, done that, doesn't work, does it? Just surrender to him. You know, what's interesting is the caterpillar doesn't have to try to become a butterfly. All he has to do is get in the cocoon. Come on, let's get this concept. All the work has already been pre-wired into your new DNA. You know, I believe this is... The Bible said life is in the blood. And you know that George Washington, this is something that not everyone knows, but they actually put leeches on him, get a blood disease out of him, and they killed him. They bled him to death at the end of his life. And, and uh, the Bible says right there, it's in the scriptures, the life is in the blood. My word said it even when science didn't know it yet. I am convinced, this is just my opinion, so whenever I say it's my opinion, I always preface it. I am convinced that one day, maybe it'll be after the earth is gone, though, because Satan's not going to allow it, but I'm convinced that your DNA actually changes when you come to Christ. That he actually goes into your DNA. We just can't see deep enough. But if I went back again... Just 50 years ago, when I even said the word DNA, it was only a concept, maybe in the imagination. And now today, we're picking and plucking. I just met someone the other day. I guess with enough money, you can actually do it. They had a, a designer baby made. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like picking some minor things. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, for real, like everything. Like the guy was, it was his grandchild. The guy was a science guy. <laughs> He's like, I can't even tell you stuff that I've worked on and done, and, and it, I, he, I don't know what he was talking about, but this guy worked in the science world for some big tech companies, and he's like, no, my grandchild was made. He wasn't joking either. Down in New York City, some lab. Because I, I was like, oh, yeah, I know. I know they can do that. And he's like, no, you don't get it. We're already picking and plucking and piecing together. Satan's a copycat. Isn't it interesting, I've been just meditating on this recently, isn't it interesting that we have come to a time in our history where the world is desperate for acceptance, but they want you to accept them, not, <laughs> this is, wow, you get in trouble on the internet for saying these things. Maybe we'll have to leave this podcast at at home. The world wants you to accept them not for who they are, even though they say for who I am, but for who they want to become. Isn't it interesting that we have actually reached a time in history where you can become anything you want? It won't be long. Listen, go back and make fun of me and 20 years from now, but when you want to turn yourself into an animal, you can. I mean, today they're doing it with, like, plastic whiskers. You ever seen the guy who turned himself into a tiger? I'm serious. Like, 
tattooed up. He's got the whiskers. They redesigned his lips, and he's got a tail implanted into his tailbone. I mean, he looks like a tiger, but he's not a tiger yet, but you watch. They'll keep messing with science until you want to be a tiger, you become a tiger. Isn't it interesting, the devil's such a copycat, and this is what I was meditating on. There is a dissatisfaction that was wired into your flawed, fallen, earthly human DNA. Now, we used to search for it in business and in success and in the greener grass, right? The millennial was like, I don't care about all that. I want to change me. I want it. We finally, we've evolved in our world to where the devil's trying to do what God has been trying to do in us all along, which is that they're actually closer to Christ than they realize because they're searching desperately for an identity and an acceptance and in becoming who they really are. Isn't it interesting that the dissatisfaction is the person I was born as is not me. That's not me. You look at me and I know you think this is me, but it's not me. And what they don't realize is that when we fell because of sin, that we were always meant to be transformed, really, when we say new, it's really into an old. Everybody say a new creation made like the old creation. Because you know that Jesus is the first of a new creation, but it says Jesus is the second Adam. Who's aware of that? Because when you were made, you were made in God's image. In fact, it's an interesting concept to think about, but when God said he made skins for their nakedness and he made them out of the animals, isn't it interesting to think about that he put skin on them? Now, I went, let's go back to the beginning of my sermon, right? The real you is inside you. This is just skin. Isn't it interesting that once they entered sin into the fallen state, they became aware of the exterior and they had to deal with it with skin. That means that the real Adam and Eve, <laughs> wow, we're getting deep now. The real Adam and Eve weren't even aware of the exterior. They didn't even know. He said, who told you you were naked? They didn't even understand the concept before. Isn't it interesting that today, there is a spirit, there is a soul-spirit war within us, and it is searching desperately to get back to the original design and to be transformed back into the glory of God, made in his image. And Satan is such a copycat, so he has offered this world a way to change themselves to transform themselves into, quote-unquote, who they really are and who I must accept them as. We know that that's not true. We know that it's a lie from Satan. We don't hate them. I'm not even judging them. I see it as the deception and the blindness of Satan. Amen. We pray for them. We plead for them, actually, before God. And if any of them were ever to hear me say these words, I hope they hear the Spirit of God in me that actually pleads for their soul to find the real answer to their dissatisfaction.
It won't be long, though. You know what's interesting as well? I just read a report recently that all the science we have now, you can make yourself look like a man and you can make yourself look like a woman. You cannot, scientifically, at 2021, you cannot change yourself to a matter... When they look at you under a microscope, it doesn't matter what you've done to the exterior, you are still the man or woman you were born as. But don't be fool that Satan's not going to keep trying and trying and trying. He's going to do it until, you know what he's doing? He's just trying to mess up. Just, I mean, all it's doing is bringing confusion. It's so confusing. Now, it wasn't confusing too long ago. I swear, I'm only 38. But I swear, when I was 18, it wasn't this confusing. I mean, it only, just only 20 years ago, <laughs> wow. I can't even say the words because I'll get, I'll get crucified. But they're not even bad words. You just can't say them anymore. It wasn't, what was weird was still weird. But if you wanted to be weird, you could be weird. And we knew you were weird, but that's who you wanted to be. Right? Who remembers that time? And there's other words that used to be acceptable, but they're not anymore. But they mean the same thing. I can't say it. But now I'm weird because I want to reflect Christ, because I want to love. I just want to know him. I want to be in love with him. And I want him to be in me and I want to shine for him. And now I'm weird. Me and Dawn, raising three children, married. Can you believe it? Can you believe we got married before kids? Oh my gosh, it's so weird. Now we're weird. Listen, we need to get back to what God has wanted all along, and we must be transformed to his image. We cannot be conformed to this world. It's going to keep changing. Listen, you know... <laughs> It's, I mentioned it recently. I don't, it's not funny. It's not funny, but I don't even, I don't know what, what else to, just, to, to say. When Alice went down the spiral into the Wonderland, I just want to say you ain't seen nothing yet. It's just going to keep getting weirder and darker. And you're going to have to really make the choice that I'm going to be conformed to the word of God. I'm going to let him transform me, even though I'm going to look weirder and weirder and weirder to this world. You have to decide now. Because this next generation, it's already, look at the churches. We're removing the crosses because those are offensive. I don't know why I'm going all this route, but I just saw there's a church in Georgia... I don't remember its name, and maybe, I, you know what? I shouldn't say its name to give the devil credit, but it's led by two men. Two men are married in Georgia, running a church. What do you even preach on? I don't even understand that. It doesn't even make sense to me. We must now, we must devour his word, and really, we have to get his word in us,
We have to be, if we are not quite changed yet, there's an influence. In fact, that's what the Bible says here. I'm closing here. But the Bible says, there's so many things I could say, but the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, so I say, let the Holy Spirit, verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You may know this as the, the flesh. Everybody say the flesh and the Spirit, right? Which this concept, this is your flesh, right? I can grab it with my hand here, but it's also my mind, right? Part of my flesh. If I get rid of this mind, <laughs> then I'm spirit. But this mind and this body, this is flesh. This is my sinful nature that was inherited from Adam and Eve's fall. We can't blame them because we would have done the same. Eventually, one of us would have. But this is the nature we've inherited. But it says, the Spirit gives us desires, verse 17, that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit. See, we must be directed, by, everybody say directed, by the Spirit. He says you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And he says in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. What are you going to get? Come on, we can just look in our world right now. If you follow the flesh, if you follow the nature that is constantly evolving and changing, and yet we're also in a circle, aren't we? We're coming right back to what it, the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah. So we'll be in the coming of the Son of Man, right? Here we are, Sodom and Gomorrah. We're right back. It's just it's circled right back around, but the Bible says that every man did was right in his own eyes, right? Here, here we are. You can be and do whatever you want. And I was thinking about this exact line. You can be anything you want, and I can be anything I want, as long as what I want doesn't tell you that what you want is wrong. But we can both do what we want. They just can't conflict with each other. Wow. It says, when you follow the flesh, when the sinful nature... When we're not transformed, everybody say, when we're not transformed. But we conform to this earthly transformation. We become, it says, sexually immoral, impure, lustful. Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. You know, some of these things in this list, you know, we think of sexual immorality, right? It's the one that gets the, the, the big name. But actually, right in here is things like selfish ambition. Right in that same list. We don't talk about that very often, do we? Just selfish ambition. Actually, dissension. That's just fighting amongst each other. Is right in there. Right in the same list of things. Hostility. Quarreling. 
jealousy, outbursts of anger. Whoever has an outburst of anger? Anybody? Anybody ever in your Christianity have an outburst of anger? Anybody ever envy someone else, even though you're a Christian? The Bible is very, actually very clear that these things are coming out of the nature that's opposed to God. Now, does Jesus love you? Is there grace and mercy? Thank God. But if I let this thing rule, I will become these things. Instead, that's why I don't believe it's once, because if you say, I'm a Christian, I know I'm going to heaven, but I still envy sometimes, then that means that we have to get back on the altar again, Romans 12. That means you didn't crucify your flesh fully yet, did you? Now, that's nothing to be burdened or condemned about. It just means I know what I need to do. If I'm being envious right now, then I'm actually fleshy. I'm actually, I'm just going to call my, I'm not calling any of you this. I'm being really stupid right now because I'm falling short of the fact that I have an eternal kingdom. Uh, uh, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal, and yet I'm being envious of something on this earth that one day is here and the next day is gone. You see how silly our flesh is? And yet the enemy traps the world right in, in this paragraph. I mean, this is the epitome of our world today. Drunkenness and wild parties, and, right, and I'm the weirdo who doesn't want to be part of that. And other sins like these, let me tell you again as I have. Wow, this verse should be read every single week to the church. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Imagine that preached. But the Holy Spirit, everybody say, but I'm transformed. But. I'm going through a metamorphosis, and the Holy Spirit is doing something supernatural in me. I can't do it. You're right. You're right, God. I'm wrong, and I'm being uh, jealous right now, and I'm, I've got selfish ambition, and I'm getting a little angry when I shouldn't be. And so, God, I surrender to you because that's all I can do, and I just get in the cocoon, which is death to the life I used to know, and Lord, do something supernatural in me. Holy Spirit, produce this kind of fruit in me. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Amen. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed. Everybody say nailed. Do you know what that's a picture of? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed what? We like to say it as, it's easy to say, oh, I put my passion there with Jesus. I'm over here, but my passion's over there with Jesus. No, it means I put myself on that cross with Christ. It means if I'm starting to think, well, maybe... The world's okay. Maybe they're okay in this area, even though his word says otherwise. I need to get back on that cross with Christ right now, and I just need to, I need, it doesn't matter what they say or what they think, the world. His word has given us a definition of what love is, 
2,000 years ago, and that's the only definition that I need. And so I must nail all of my emotions, all my thoughts, and all my feelings, put my whole self on that cross with him so that my nature is no longer mine, but I have a new nature. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we just pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to leave it there. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the life that's in your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a standard. Lord, how foolish to travel around the earth without a compass. How silly it would be to not look at the moon, Lord. Look at the North Star. Lord, how silly to just wander. But you have given us these bearings. You gave us bearings. You gave us, Lord, direction for our benefit to get to the place, Lord, that we need to be in, the place with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you showed us the way. Jesus, you even said of yourself, I am the way. And we thank you, Lord, that as we cleave to you, as we never leave your side, you never leave our side. I thank you, Lord, we become yoked as one and we walk to the finish line together. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that our nature is dying and your nature is living and it's growing and it's becoming more and more and more, Lord, of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you.